fantastic. They weren't the easiest of readings. Thank you very much for that. They weren't the easiest of readings, um, but they stuck with them, and I think uh, they got the message over. It's always a privilege to read from the Word of God, and for our young people to do, be doing that at such an early age and with enthusiasm has got to be a tremendous thing. Did you recognise yourself anywhere in that love chapter um, uh, in Corinthians? You know, we... Uh, we read it not often enough, I don't think, but we're all in there somewhere. Um, I hope you found a niche that you can say, that's me, or perhaps I'm doing that well, or not doing that so well, or work, more work needs doing. But praise God, his word is profitable for all of our lives. So uh, our subject this morning is supporting, which you will have seen in the current edition of the Church magazine. It's number nine of the ten values, and we seek to promote uh, in the lives of Christian believers these values. Supporting each other, of course, is crucial to spiritual growth and development in any church, but the magazine article broadens it out a little bit, and it talks about supporting not only each other, but also supporting our leaders. It's not always, uh, um, we don't always look at both those aspects. Uh, So let's look this morning at the ways in which we can support our elders. Quite often when we think of supporting elders, we think of recognising the role uh, of eldership and the quality of those that we appoint to that role. Scripture has a lot to say on this subject, and you can look at it, if you like, in 1 Timothy, where we find the kind of person an elder must be. Also, the term of bishop shepherd and overseer uh, are also used as alternatives to describe the position of eldership. And we may have listened before to ministry about how their lives must show a high level of commitment to Christ, we would expect that, uh, in the way that they behave and the Christian values they hold dear. Elders are responsible, as you know, for spiritual direction of the church, and as such they will come under fire and be singled out for special attention by the enemy. The enemy will try to disrupt their spiritual and family life. Quite often we pray for um, spiritual direction for elders, but we don't often think in terms of what's happening to their family life. The enemy is on the case all the way around, and will do anything he can to uh, to disrupt them. And close them down. Make them ineffective in the leadership role that the Lord has anointed them for. And again, we don't think of that very often. Elders don't just come uh, in a packet with a label on it. Uh, They are anointed by God for that purpose. Just pray that, that it works out in their lives. And also for the role which the church has appointed them. Now, have we got them up there? The three elders, they didn't come up. There's a picture, there was going to be a picture up there of the three elders. Um, and they were introduced to the church, we've got more than three, we've got five. I think it's five now, isn't it? Six. Six. <laughs> doesn't life, doesn't time go fast? Um, so three of them were introduced to the church and prayed over with the laying on of hands not many Sundays ago. And as we prayed for them, as a leadership So you should pray for them also uh, and take your own responsibility in part of supporting them that they will walk worthy of their calling. Stand with the eldership 
and the leaders of this church daily, not once every now and again, stand in prayer daily as part of your supporting role. But, did it ever come up? No, we lost that picture. Right, but there is another aspect of of the eldership role that isn't often ministered on. So we'll throw a bit of light on that this morning. Because although leading and guiding in terms of vision and spiritual direction is uh, a part of their role, and maybe a more enjoyable part of their role, uh, you'll also find that eldership are responsible for pastoral care. In our alternative list, we found that elders are described as shepherds. That description can be found in 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, uh, where Peter instructs the elders to shepherd the flock. And because the word shepherd can also be translated as pastor, we find that pastoral care is an eldership responsibility. I personally found pastoral care to be one of the more difficult aspects of eldership during the time that I spent and served as an elder. But elders have a responsibility to administer it. Now, pastoral care. Let's just suppose that one of us is not living our Christian lives in line with the straightforward principles and guidance of Scripture. And an elder was designated to have a word in your ear about it. I can see every face. <laughs> Everybody's wondering what's going to come next. Would you feel comfortable with that? Of course, I know it would depend on exactly what it was, but perhaps it was something that you yourself is or was aware was not right in your life, but had decided not to do anything about it. I can almost hear thoughts going around in people's mind. Alternatively, it might be something that you're not aware of at all and haven't really thought about. Now, is that something, that word in your ear, something that you would recognise as part of the eldership role and be prepared to consider in your support Or would you reject such an approach outright and feel that leadership was going a bit too far and overstepping the mark? Speaking into our lives can be acceptable from the platform. But speaking into our lives on a one-to-one can be quite different. And that sometimes brings the shutters down and can end in rejection. Yet it is very much part of the eldership role. Hebrews 13 and 17 goes even further, uh, saying that we should recognise and support those who watch out for our souls. This is serious stuff. This is re- these are real issues. Um, and we should support them and recognise them um, as those who must give an account for their actions to God. Uh, we should be prepared to consider the points they raise and even, dare I say it, submit to their advice and direction where it can be shown we are at odds with scriptural living a little bit to think about I'll leave some tick over time there what's the Holy Spirit saying to you about that or would you feel that you've made up your mind about things already and don't want to be confused with the facts scripture gives guidelines to remind elders of the way they should progress themselves And here we go. They are not to lord it up over the church. They're not to be domineering, authoritative, proud, or self-righteous. 
If I acted in that way as an elder, I would disqualify myself. But although elders should be firm and clear in areas of correction, these things should be done in love, grace, and above all, above all, in a spirit of humility. What a fine line they have to tread. Do you recognise and understand all these things are required of in the position of elder? No wonder we're told in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who, who rule well be counted worthy of double honour. You've heard that before, I'm sure, but it is so true. I should think they deserve it. By the way, I'm not suggesting that anyone is about to be spoken to by the elders after the service. So you can come back now. <laughs> only, we, only you will know if you should be. That's quite a big punchline. I'm not suggesting anyone's going to be spoken to. But you will know if you should be. This morning we're simply considering the role. Also, if anyone thinks that I have never needed to be spoken to by an elder, does anyone think that? I can't hear you. (laughs) Does anyone think that I may have sometimes needed to be spoken to by an elder? They're very good this morning, aren't they? I would expect much more response than that. Well, if that's what you think, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Because I have needed to be spoken to by an elder. But I'm not going to tell you in what church or about what subject that was. Only that they were godly men and quite correct. I've had my lessons to learn. And I trust that I have taken them on board gracefully and grown as a result of it. And there's a couple there sort of thinking, well, maybe there's just a little bit more work to be done in that direction. And if you think that, you're not wrong. So I think that I've opened up some new areas of thinking on the theme of understanding the role and supporting the role of eldership. It's not an easy position to take and it's not an easy road to tread. But we've got some great people in eldership and in leadership. And what they do, uh, they do sincerely from a right spirit and in the best interests of us all. Right, now let's move on to number two. Supporting yourself. Self-correction. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, examine yourself before taking communion in order to get yourself right with God before you come to his table. That's not bad advice, is it? Um, In fact, it's essential advice. And if we don't uh, uh, listen to it or adhere to it, we could find ourselves uh, perhaps in difficulty. We should examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table. Um, I think uh, uh, that we should probably do it much more regularly than that. It's communion tonight, by the way, and we'll be just talking that one through a little bit more. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that you haven't suffered any more temptation than anyone else. Because God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. But with every temptation provides a way of escape. What a great God we've got. 
He's not a God who sits in heaven and bangs us on the head with rules. God that gets involved in our lives. A God who wants to see the best for us. And so with the inevitability of temptation, God provides a way of escape. So as we examine ourselves then, we know what our sins and weaknesses are. There may be one or two that we can say, well, I wasn't aware of that. But for the majority, we know where we stand. Uh, Hebrews 10 verses 8, Hebrews 8 verses 10 and 11 tells us this. God has put his laws into our minds and he's written them on our hearts. Not he will if you want him to or he may do later on. God has done this now. You have his laws on your minds and in your hearts. So we do know the difference between right and wrong. Also, support yourself by guarding your heart. (laughs) Watch what goes in there. Easy to say, but it's another area we're all well aware of. Um, Me especially. I know some of the things that go in shouldn't have done. I also know there was a way of escape that I've ignored. Guard your heart. You know how God thinks. It's down to you to make the decisions. Listen to the Holy Spirit nudging you from the inside. Lots of learning is done from the outside, but God provides the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Our spirit bears witness with his spirit. And he nudges us and reminds us of that which we should be doing. And I know and I stand with you in saying, Lord, forgive me for the times I have ignored that. Put simply then, so the Holy Spirit continually reminds of us of what's on our hearts um, and uh, what's right and wrong it's very simple isn't it the next uh, thing to say do the right thing <laughs> oh it just rolls off my tongue <laughs> do the right thing but progressively we can do the right thing more and more as we uh, grow in our relationship with him and our, and our commitment when you need help Come and get it. Don't wait for it to come to you. Come and get it. You've got a great eldership team. You've got a great leadership team. I think there's a board coming with some mugshots on them, so you, you're soon to know who those people are. Come. Come. To, you're not on your own. People tend to think they're isolated, and what they've done wrong is a terrible shame to them, and they can't talk about it. There isn't anything that none of us haven't uh, either thought of or got into before. You know, unshockable, I think. Um, once you get to my age in life, you're pretty much unshockable, I think. Uh, but come and talk. And also, there's the prayer team who walk around wearing, uh, oh, sorry, wearing these little labels. They're all, they're, they're all around you. As the spirit moves, speak to them. Pray with them. Supporting others. Right, well, we've looked at our role in supporting both eldership and ourselves. Now let's turn our attention to perhaps what uh, people would be expecting to hear from a supporting message. Let's turn our attention to supporting others. Right, now here's a couple of ways how not to do it. Wife to husband. I'm feeling low. Say something nice to me. 
Something that makes me feel like a woman. You can't park your car. <laughs> Wonderfully supportive. Can I say that on, that on Friday we had a demonstration of this very thing. Only just out there by the chain. Uh, some dear lady uh, was in a little bit of a quandary and drove her car at the car curb rather than in a <laughs> manner... <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I saw it. I saw it. Rather than in a manner conducive with parking. And these, these, these curbs are that big and they're granite and they don't look like tyres. And so there was a great big pop and that poor tyre went. I wonder if you've had that happen to you. It was uh, just bore out. So just bore out. This is, I'm talking about facts. <laughs> Someone over there had the same experience. You haven't? Yes. 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 You see, you try to help people, but <laughs> instead, I had three old ladies in the car. One, one was a Spitfire delivery pilot during the war. She said, that's exciting, can we do it again? <laughs> Another one was a bit of a grumpy lady and said, you think I'm getting in this bus again? You've got another thing coming, let me out. And another lady who wasn't quite with it said, what roundabout? <laughs> you see, I shouldn't have told that, should I? I shouldn't have told you that last time. Well, right, now, this is just to show that I'm trying to get a right balance... That was wife to husband, husband to wife. So there's no need for you to have thrown that back in there. <laughs> Although I did enjoy it. Husband to wife, looking for sympathy. Darling, I've crashed the car, burnt the dinner and blown up the gas cooker. What do you think of me? Wife to husband, go away, you're bad news. <laughs> Fair enough. Or another way of not supporting others. I keep every confidence... It's the people I tell who can't. <laughs> what a dreadful way of supporting others. Right, so do we have to be taught how to support? That's the question. I'm a firm believer in the kingdom principle that some things don't have to be taught. They come with knowing Jesus. Just think and take that in. So we, don't have to, we don't have to be taught everything about the Lord. When he comes in, when we ask him into our life and he forgives us our sins and we begin that relationship, there are many things that we don't have to be taught. They come with knowing Jesus. He's a living, living saviour. The Holy Spirit shows us many things about the person of Jesus. Not only who he is, but the values that he has. Supporting and caring for each other is something that we have to be reminded of, in my view, rather than taught. So here's your reminder. A Pharisee then, when testing Jesus over what was the greatest commandment, was told by Jesus of two Old Testament verses. I like it when the Old Testament gets tied into the New. It's one book. Um, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 said, uh, uh, quotes, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. That's pretty much a catch-all, isn't it? With all your heart 
your soul, your strength, and your mind. Jesus quotes that in Matthew 22. Leviticus 19 and 18, love your neighbour as yourself. These are familiar scriptures. But we're off to a good start, aren't we? When, as, as God, when God makes it clear with these two Old Testament verses at the beginning of the Bible that our love for him should reflect itself in our love and caring for others. All came all through our readings. A reflective love for others, um, showing that we love him. Jesus, so as to underline it, adds in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love each other as I have loved you. When you do this effectively, Jesus said, it will be a witness to others of who I am and that you're caring for each other because of me. I have to say people do see that. People are aware of that. And the people out there are looking in here to see if that is happening. And don't you know it, of course, as soon as we don't show love to each other, uh, oh, you think you should call yourself a Christian. Yeah, people, pe- that just shows that people are looking and people are aware of how we should be rea- reacting. So I wonder, are you going to make contact with someone who's not here today? Oh, I would, wouldn't I? I would. <laughs> I wouldn't go away uh, without saying this. Or is this the time to think of all, for you to think of all the reasons why it's impossible to do so? I think I hear the sound of the rubber hitting the road. <laughs> do you know what? I'm getting more popular by the minute. <laughs> Great. But sometimes if you can't make contact with a person, you can make contact with God. And you can pray for them. So there's no way out, is there? Have you looked around? Oh, that's the bit I'm going to say. So do we really look out for others? Do we walk the walk? Just talk the talk. When was the last time that you did contact someone who didn't show up on a Sunday? When was that? When was the last time you realised someone hadn't shown up? When was the last time you inquired after somebody who hadn't shown up. Enough said. Our life group sends cards to those we haven't seen for a while. We also send cards full of signatures to those who aren't in our life group, but whom we know haven't been to church for a while. There's things we can be doing. Not just those who've been unwell, but those who have been absent. It shows you care. Just a phone call, you'd be surprised. You've got a members list. Just a phone call, missed you today. It shows you cares. We'd never sent a card yet without receiving back a thank you. John 13, love one another as I have loved you. That also applies to those from outside of the church who aren't Christians. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Cards with God bless on them can sometimes help. We don't want to be in your face all the time about our faith. But every now and again, how are you getting on? Good to see you last time. Catch up. God bless. It actually does work because we've got the Holy Spirit who is living and active and who can take those things, however mundane we might think they are, and make them real. 
Matthew 22 and John 13 are not just cosy suggestions, but they show that the Lord was in deadly earnest and is in deadly earnest about these things. Doesn't following Jesus mean we have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes, even if it's picking up the phone and ringing someone just before we have our dinner, lunch, dinner, whatever you have. As well as cars and cars, phone calls are, in fact, a good way of looking out for others. They are part of the safety net that our church needs in order to operate. And one referred to by many of our visiting friends. It happens all the time. I know sometimes people feel they haven't got that phone call. Or maybe it was your phone call they didn't get. But there are many others that say, what a great place this is to be. We feel so valued and so cared for. So it's part of the safety net. The cap is also right there, and we can make good use of it. A chat over a cup of coffee uh, helps to keep people in uh, and not let them just drift away. It's so sad, wouldn't it be sad, if there was all those people over there chatting and drinking coffee, and one person who hadn't been spoken to got up, walked through the church uh, cafe there and out again with all those people chatting away. Rejection? We mustn't let that happen. Right, these things aren't necessarily the reason that we come to church, but they should be a part of what we do when we get here. So when did you last do it? I'm not preaching absolutes, by the way. I'm just jogging memories. And if you're doing these things already, just put a tick in the box. Now, a couple of things at the end here. A pastor in South America once decided to test just how much his church cared about the less socially acceptable folk outside his church. One Sunday morning, this is on the website if you want to go and look for it, he dressed up as a tramp, sat on, on the floor outside the church, grew a beard, especially for the occasion, uh, wore his gardening clothes and stood in the smoke of a bonfire. So he looked apart, he smelt the part, and to all intents and purposes, he was the genuine article. Well, you all know where I'm going to with this, uh, because the reaction of his church was to walk past him into the church on the other side. Reminds me of a parable. Maybe they did that through fear. So we try not to be judgmental, don't we? Maybe they did that through fear. Fear of confrontation, very real and understandable. Fear of catching something, we know what that's like, don't we? Fear of being dragged into something and made to get out of our comfort zone. Fear of not being able to handle it. Embarrassment, that affects a lot of us. Many of them must have had a fear of something. Because all of them walk by. Now, the pastor wasn't suggesting that members of his church should necessarily try and help as individuals by themselves. Maybe two or three could have done something. We had had something in here, here the other week where somebody had come in and was making use of our cafe rather than coming into the church service. And um, I, I might have got it wrong, but I believe he got asked to stay here to lunch. There was a lunch on. That's lovely, isn't that? Isn't that what we should be doing? So part of uh, uh, supporting others 
uh, is also to recognize their gifts and their abilities. Give them opportunities to use their gifts. Is it that easy? The obvious area for this, perhaps this morning, is in reading scripture, which the children did wonderfully well. Now, I, I'm really pleased that somebody thought to ask the children if they'd like to read, because normally they get ignored, don't they, apart from the sweets that they seem to lap up every, every Sunday. But as far as involvements go with the children, oh, well, that's sad. I came to the Lord as, as a four-year-old child, and uh, I've got a different view of a lot of these things. Uh, so, um, scripture reading, or taking the prayer slot in the church, or offering a light groove group involvement to someone, perhaps. But some supporting others can mean valuing and encouraging each other. Seeing Jesus in each other. You see, I'm not just a pretty face. Oh no, don't, no, please. I'm not just a pretty face. I've got Jesus, I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. And I'd far rather you see that than anything else. And when I look at you, that's what I see. Someone for whom Christ died and rose again. And you know, one of the messages that screams out from the cross is this. I could never be ashamed of you. We don't often think of that. That was Jesus dying for all of us, saying, I could never be ashamed of any of you. So then why do sometimes we act as though we are ashamed of some less attractive individuals. Do we sometimes judge a book by its cover and write off some because they don't fit our required spiritual criteria and therefore could not possibly be used by the Lord until they've sorted themselves out? Do we do that? I'm closing with a clip. I'm a bit nervous about this clip, but I'm closing with a clip. The Lord, I feel, wants it up, so it's going up. Um, another pastor in another South American church where a drunken beggar comes into the church and he wants to sing to the church. Just the sort of person you don't want to have anywhere near the front of your church. If anyone like this ever came into our church, I would think that we would probably want to sit them down out in the calf, keep them quiet until after the service had finished and then get alongside them. But as for them taking part, Ooh. you will see in this clip that's exactly what the church tried to do. Sit him down with one of the leads and keep him quiet. But Jesus has a plan for everyone. He uses who he uses, whatever we may think. Please don't switch off to this clip because it's not your lifestyle or the style in which you want to worship. Remember, Jesus is far bigger than any denominational experience. Would you like to play that clip? Now, I think we've probably seen enough to have... You've got the picture, haven't you? This man starts to sing. And as he sings, he pours out all the trials and tribulations that have been in his life. He said he's been like living in a cave. But he said that Jesus and the love of Jesus has dug him out of that cave. And uh, he goes on uh, to look. Can you see their? Can you see their faces changing? They will in a minute. And as he goes on to sing, so people begin to get up and feel the move of the spirit themselves. And before he's finished, they're all joining in because that's the way God works. And God had something to say to those people. I don't know what whether it was exactly what the man had to to speak, or whether God was just t- t- teaching them a lesson. 
about how he is and who he is and who he loves and who he encourages. Uh, and so, um, and so that's what happens. Have, is, have you gone back over on that? No? Okay. So, so therefore that is basically what is happening, uh, in that clip. Um, and, uh, for this man, the voice of Jesus cuts through all his bitterness and all his bad experiences. And some of the things I remember about the clip is that everybody was laughing at him. Uh, then they began to realise he may actually know Jesus in his own way. Of course, in his own way. The fire, the earthquakes that he sings about are the things that brought him down. But he also sings uh, a bit about no bolts or gates of, of the enemy can close out the voice of the Holy Spirit. No gates, no bolts can stop the voice of God. Even in that condition, the voice of God got through. And this morning, there's no gates, there's no bolts, there's no bars, there's no chains on the voice of the Holy Spirit as he desires to speak into your life. We can resist it, but it's there. And for sure, the enemy can't resist it. So when we read or look at this sort of clip, we can never again say, the Lord can't use me. The Lord can use him. The Lord can use all of you and me. What a lesson to learn. So we're going to finish with this. This drunken man. Oh, one thing that I was going to say, in his case, somebody's referenced it. What is the latest possible date I can still make something out of my life? What a question. Well, that man found that God was still in it with him, even though he thought he had long gone past his sell-by date. And I reckon in supporting others, we need to look a little bit more, more, we need to look a little bit more at them through heaven's eyes. We may not have put him up there. God did. So, as the Lord uses us to support others, so he sends his Holy Spirit to support us. Do you want to cut the clip now? Thanks. Thank you, Dave. You're going to be really looking forward to a phone call from me this week, aren't you? I want to say thanks, Dave, for what you shared today. It's not an easy subject to uh, to talk about to, but, uh, or to address, particularly that first bit. But we do it because it's actually in God's word, and that's really, really important. I want to just take you back to a time that most of you weren't a part of the church here. It was 16 years ago, and I had what was loosely described as an interview with the then uh, leadership team. And uh, this was the first time that the church was seeking to appoint um, a then part-time worker. They obviously had a lot of questions for me, and I had a lot of questions for them, and there was uh, emails back and forth. Um, But they said, well, there's a few uh, bits that you've put down on on your list we didn't really understand. And you've you've put down the, the, uh, the, the word discipline. We don't know what you mean by that. And I said, well, in one sense, it would be good to know how you deal with that as a church. You know, it must mean something to be a part of the church. Well, if there are people living outside of that, how do you respond to that as a church? Pause. Silence. And then one of the senior elders said, we don't have any problems like that here. (laughs) Uh, To which I laughed. And I said, well, if I come, you will have. The reality is we all make mistakes. 
We all fall short of the glory of God. It's not the most comfortable area of church life, but certainly of church leadership. But scripture teaches about discipline being accompanied with love. In exactly the same way as those of you with children or with grandchildren. Yes, you, you would know that discipline is important. You don't meet, need me to persuade you of the importance of that. But it's always with love, isn't it? That there might be right restoration. And that's what we seek uh, to do as and when that is necessary. There is a difference between an individual making a mistake or making a wrong choice or sinning in a particular way and making a choice of a lifestyle. I think it's important that we realise that. Otherwise, if we were going to expel any particular member of the church for sinning, uh, we would have a membership here at Dorchester Community Church of nil within 24 hours. Isn't that correct? What's important is that we don't sweep stuff under the carpet where there's ongoing stuff we think there needs to be a conversation. Grace and truth go together. But we believe passionately as leaders of the church that grace must always come first. So I don't want anybody being panicked about whatever it is that you made a mistake this morning or whatever mistake you made this week or last month or maybe it's a repeated thing two or three times. We're all in the same boat. There's only one level playing field when it comes to the foot of the cross. Come back to that cross to have an opportunity for restoration and to put that right. But there are times from time to time when there do need to be conversations, just like there were in the early church. And that's what this is is based on. It was then uh, shortly after I came to the the church here that we we preached through uh, the book of Acts. Where you you see then about how the first church started and how it grew and developed. And these ten values that we sought to express and communicate uh, over ten weeks are quite simply the principles that you see laid out for church life way back in the book of Acts. It's not rocket science. You can read the book of Acts and you will see repeatedly believing, worshipping, praying, belonging, witnessing, serving, giving, learning, supporting from this morning and the next week transforming. They're all there. This has been a slightly more uncomfortable. They who honour you for actually having the courage to preach on that subject. Let's come to God together as we pray. And then we're going to sing our first song is Come as you are. What a better in what better invitation can we have? Wherever we're at in our journey, whatever's gone wrong or pear shaped maybe this week, come as you are to this amazing God. Father God, we do uh, thank you that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died. We thank you that for every single one of us, you welcome us with open arms. No matter what we've done wrong, no matter what's what's gone pear shaped this week even. Forgive us for those times where we just make such a blunder. Or maybe it's a wrong thought that enters our mind or the way we've spoken to someone. Or maybe it may well be something more serious. Maybe there's uh, one or two here that we're on the verge of something that's becoming habitual. May your Holy Spirit not just bring conviction, but a welcome to come back to this Jesus who says, Come, I long to forgive you, to dust you down, to start over with you. Help us to have the courage and humility to say, yeah, I want to come. I want to come. Cleanse me. Help me to start again. Help me to put aside the stuff that's not right. 
that I might walk that path afresh with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.